Hey everybody, welcome to School of the Rock, a podcast about faith, culture, and evangelization. My name is Father Bobby Blood. I'm here with Nicholas Sentovich. How are you, brother? Father Blood, it is wonderful to be with you again. It is. It's a tremendous day. Another day that the Lord has made, you know? We rejoice and are glad in it. And we will be doing more rejoicing because the 4th of July is coming up. And, you know, not only do we celebrate our country, we also celebrate your birthday. Yeah, the big two seven. I'm not a big birthday guy, but I do love America, and I love uh, love the Fourth of July. So I'm excited to to celebrate. Absolutely, you know, I think it, it's fitting that your birthday is on the Fourth of July because you were the first one to ever introduce me to NASCAR. You also introduced me to WWE wrestling, and you also introduced me to the Budweiser Americone cans or American can American. Americone is Man. the Stephen Colbert, uh, the Stephen Colbert thing. Also and, delicious, and also patriotic. Cream. Yeah, no, I. Uh, those are all true things. I think uh, those those events. We have the our own Rockford Speedway. I think we went on the Fourth of July one year, and then uh, seeing the great community that is professional wrestling. There's nothing more no more freedom than that. Uh, but it is big, big fan of the Fourth of July. Big fan of uh, freedom. And so that's, that's one thing to celebrate today. Uh, but also another thing to celebrate today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about study. Right? What's this episode called, Nick? This episode is called Spiritual Homework. Spiritual Homework, which sounds lame, to be honest. It sounds um, incredibly I you, lame. I, I hope people still listen, even though it's like uh, kind of a boring title. Most of our listeners have already turned off at this point. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's a, a part of the battle here. Uh, but... Spiritual homework, right? We're going to talk a little about study. And and to be honest, I think about my own experience through formation and uh, certain times in formation was more difficult than others to, uh, to desire uh, to want to study because there's so many other things to do, you know, but to actually to go off and, and make an effort to, to, to learn in addition to the things that naturally come, that's kind of a tough thing even for the everyday Christian. Yeah, it is a tough thing. I think it, I think it, it is sort of something that takes some getting used to, and I don't think that oftentimes we're invited to do that. Yeah, I think about even my own experience right during quarantine. I had a little more time, um, and the first few weeks were just kind of you know pacing back and forth in my my room, waiting for mass to come back. Uh, but after I realized that we were going to be doing mostly live streaming and, and mostly media uh, ministry. I kind of opened up a little more time to, to jump into to prayer and study in a deeper way. You know, one big thing was um, recognizing my desire to, to serve out of that place of what Holy Mother Church teaches us. I think so often we just kind of, we do the things that we're supposed to do as priests and even as, you know, ministers of the gospel across the board. It's easy to just kind of get pigeonholed as this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what is expected instead of maybe reevaluating or revisiting what does the church desire for her ministers? What does the church desire for the people in the pew? What were some of the things that you were reading during quarantine? You know, I, I, uh, I dabbled in a little Lumen Gentium reading the Vatican II documents. I also um, jumped into some USCCB stuff, some of their, their reflections on liturgy, 
especially with communion. It was a lot of, of trying to take things that have been said before and bring it back to the now. Because I was thinking about, you know, we're all kind of bummed out because mass is canceled, can't really receive communion. But there's so much else that happens on the parish level. I mean, you think about the countless ministries and communities uh, that also take place on our campus, those had to go too. And so to get at the, the essence of why are they, like, why do we have these ministries? Why do we have these communities? Uh, trying to learn what is the church's intention. And I think, you know, over and over again in the catechism and otherwise, we revisit this phrase, the universal call to holiness, right? And I, uh, to take some time and in, in fleshing that out to unfold, what does that look like? Um, and then what does that look like applied? And I think from my reading, my study over, over quarantine, I, I came to kind of the interior conclusion that I, I desire to um, help people communicate with their own desires uh, to evangelize. Because I think we, we all have a desire to make a difference, right? Absolutely. And I think that a lot of times thinking about the teachings of the church and understanding the teachings of the church can be kind of daunting. We've, we've talked a little bit about prayer and I, of the last couple episodes, and I think that can be a daunting thing. So for me, in, in my mind, what's important is to, is to take baby steps in everything that we do and to not be overwhelmed by, you know, how much the church teaches and all of the, you know, there's all kinds of different doctrines and, and dogmas to, to study and, and to think about. But for me, in my mind, and what's always been helpful for me is to is to have a just a healthy, almost self forgetfulness, and just approach, you know, studying what the church teaches with um, with with a kind of with a kind of curiosity and a kind of freedom that will allow us to 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 understand and to delve deep into what the church has to offer. And I, and, and my and my opinion is that it's always good to start from the scriptures that the word of God is always is going to be one of the best teachers that we, we can have. Um, and I'm, that's not to say that different church documents are important and reading the catechism isn't important, but you know, a lot of the tradition is really based on, is based on the life and the, and the work of Jesus. And so seeing the life and the work of Jesus in the scripture is I think one of the best ways that we can understand our faith. I think you're right on, especially with the gospels. I mean, I think that's usually, you know, where people uh, say we should start. But to start with these encounters of Jesus, to notice the words that he chooses or um, the time that he takes to explain certain parables, right? To be able to enter in and and maybe just kind of um, slow down and, and chew, right? Almost that word like we use, is it trogos? To gnaw on the Eucharist, right? Mm-hmm. Almost to gnaw on the word in our study, to gnaw on... Uh, maybe even the ones that are more difficult. I know for me, uh, the Beatitudes, like commandments are easy. They're so clear. You know, it's like, uh, don't kill. Got it. I think I can probably handle that. But then you're reading the the, the Beatitudes, you know, those who, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that really mean? You know, to take the time to chew on that, to say, where are the moments where I'm haughty of spirit? Um, and allow the scriptures to teach us what it looks like to live a life that's fulfilled. Do you find that a lot of people, you know, as you're doing ministry are curious about how to start or how to begin or, or where to go? So we talked about, you know, obviously the Bible and 
it's it's my intention to to read the Bible every day, and I, I don't read the Bible every day, but it's something that I, that I want to do, and, and I think that's a great way to to begin studying. But what are other ways that we can enter into the teachings of the church? Yeah, I think um, just to be totally candid, one of the more frustrating things for me is a lot of people have opinions about what the quote unquote church teaches. And a lot of it is built purely on the blog that they read, right? There's somebody I like who lives in New York and they said X, Y, and Z. So I'm listening to that. And that becomes the essence of every opinion they have comes from one individual opinion. And I think that's, that's dangerous. And that's, I would say maybe not the first place to start when we're delving into study of God. Uh, I think we start with prayer, like we've talked about, going into the school of silence, as Matthew Kelly always says. The school of silence. School, the school of silence is that's the place where we can start to um, uh, encounter our own thoughts and feelings. Because we realize God's alive. He's not dead. He rose from the dead. He still is alive, and he's still preaching the gospel today to each of us. So our unique experience with the Lord, the unique tug we feel in our heart, that is God. That is the voice of God. And then from that, we say, where is the Lord inviting me to delve deeper? Right? Maybe for some people, it's, I wish I could be more virtuous. I wish I knew more how I could cultivate a spirit of charity or patience. And at that point, I would say, uh, turn to the catechism or turn to the scriptures. But it's it's first asking What's the question that my heart is begging right now? It's not just, there's there's so much. There's 2,000 plus years of history of faith. But it's the question, what is the Lord desiring to teach me? And then going to those trusty sources. And not to say there aren't people's opinions who are worth reading. I think both of us appreciate uh, uh, listening to, reading, you know, Bishop Barron, you know, I love old Fulton Sheen videos, right? They're great examples. I even have people in my own life. Sometimes if uh, I don't have the 4.30 Mass on Saturday, I'll check out a 4.30 Mass live stream homily before the Sunday in case uh, one of my buddies has a better story. But uh, it has to be in the context of the history to say when I'm encountering somebody and their experience with the faith, where, where are they fed? And even you look at the people that you respect the most and realize where did they study? Where did they begin? But I, I, I think if we're talking primary, where to begin the school of silence to be able to say, what question does my heart uh, need answered? I remember a, a really good professor that I have talked about. Um, I think it's Hans Urs von Balthasar who had this quote um, that theology is done on one's knees. Um or, you know, I, I, I could have that wrong. Oh, I, I think I think what he said, he said is um, all saints are theologians and only saints are theologians in a certain way that um, studying God is always done in the context of, of holiness or true study of God is done in the context of holiness. Not that we have to be a saint, you know, as we're doing theology necessarily, but that we're that in some way that we're on the way. And I think that like what you said is, is really important because that begins in prayer and in a spirit of humility that when we want to learn from God and we want to learn from the church, we have to, in a certain way, start um, with a little bit of humility, not to say that we don't have questions, not to say that we don't have doubts uh, that, that we want alleviated or questions that we want answered. 
but but at a certain level, when we're approaching the Lord, we do so in, in a in a kind of in a kind of humility. And I think right, in that, that spirit, in the spirit of prayer and in the spirit of humility, that will open us up to those difficult questions, whether it be a hot button issue that we're struggling with, whether it be something about how the heck the Trinity works, whether it be the problem of evil, why do bad things happen to good people? I think like what you said is really important that we can first examine what's going on in our heart, what's the question that we want answered, and, and approach whatever we're going to study, whether it be the catechism or the Bible, with, with a kind of humility. There's almost like this pre-work before you do the study in a certain way. Yeah, and I think of that position or that posture of receptivity and humility that you're talking about is so important. And it's difficult, especially you, you mentioned hot button issues. I think that's where a lot of people find their jumping point. Like that's where they want to jump off to delve into what does the church say about X, Y, and Z. And I think that's where we can get lost in the weeds because we, we zoom in too much um, instead of zooming out. And I think with 2,000 years of history, Holy Mother Church in her wisdom has provided almost like a fountain for us to drink from. It's not like a – it's it's frustrating in the sense that it's it's not an easy – I type into Google, what's the answer to this? And then there's like a one sentence answer. It's here's what uh, Christ says. Here's what his church has spoken through the catechism. Here's what the church fathers have said. This is the beautiful way that that the small um, self-sacrificing saints lived out this reality, right? And we have all of this fruit and all of this history that we kind of delve into. It's almost like diving into the deep end of a pool, Right. It's just this kind of overwhelming sense that there's there's so much to be had. It would be easier if we, if we could just find like a, a, an answer, right? I've got a question. I ask the Lord. He says, here's the answer. But instead, he's like, drink deeply. Drink deeply because you have a thirst for me. And through study, through encountering um, all that I've given you, uh, you will be quenched. And ultimately, it won't be until heaven. I think that's something we have to be honest about, recognizing we're never going to have a perfect understanding of everything. Even me, you know, I'm a priest. I went through the eight years of school. I have all these different ministry experiences. And yet many, many times in a week, I have to say, can I get back to you? And the people are very patient and they allow uh, me to, to go and do some research and call some people who might be wiser than me and, and enter into some of those classic resources. But um, I think it is a very gradual thing. I, I think, too, that St. Thomas Aquinas is a really interesting example for us because he's somebody that wrote, you know, an incredible amount about God, right? The Summa Theologiae, Summa Theologia, Summa Theologica, I forget, however you want to pronounce it. A, a, uh, a is more proper. But. A is more proper. Yeah, you know Latin better than I do, maybe. So so Thomas Aquinas is Summa, he wrote all of this stuff about the faith. He has, when we were talking, this incredible commentary, collection of commentaries on scripture. But he had this mystical moment, right, where where Jesus you know, said, you have written well of me, Thomas. He spoke on, on the cross to Thomas. Um but that mystical experience um, didn't let Thomas write any further. He didn't want to write any further after he had this encounter with God. And he said that all I have written is like straw. So there's this mm. interesting balance between the fact that Thomas Aquinas, a brilliant mind, a, a fantastic theologian, synthesized so much of philosophy and of the faith and of the early church writers for us. And yet at the same time, he recognized that ultimately – um, our, our words can't come close to describing, you know, God and Himself as we encounter Him. 
But it's not to say that Thomas Aquinas's work isn't important. It is really important for us. God gave us minds. He gave us reason. And he revealed himself. And that's what a sacred science is, right? Sacred theology is understanding um, really what God has revealed and, and taking those first principles of revelation and, you know, and teasing them out to their logical conclusions and teasing and teasing because it's a mystery and we can never fully exhaust it. But there's this, I think there is this interplay between um, faith and reason in, in this aspect that we can reason, we, we, we can reason through our theology, but at the end of the day, we still have to recognize that we're not going to fully understand everything that we're talking about until, until heaven. Right. Yeah. And that image, like it, it's all straw. I just think about the fact that Thomas, he didn't just hang up his boots and give up on the faith at that point when he realized that, you know, I could write a thousand works and yet it's not enough to really capture who God is. He didn't then abandon God. He just recognized that he could only bring the ball so far. And I think in my experience, especially with young people, there, there's like a feistiness and a zeal in uh, attempting to live out Christianity applied, right? And they have a lot of questions for the Lord. Why does, you know, why do we have all these rules? Why does it have to be this way? Why, you know, all, all the questions you might imagine, right? Well, why do we have only male priesthood? Why can't priests be married? Um, why do I have to go to confession? Kind of the messiness of sin, right? They have all these questions and, and you have this great zeal that rises up in them because they desire to understand but I think right there is almost a trigger point where we realize, uh, do you want to go all in or do you want to run, right? And I think the tendency uh, because of our brokenness is to run, to say, you know what? This is too hard. It's too hard to grasp. And yet the greatest minds of our faith have said, you're right. It is too hard to grasp, but that doesn't mean we should stop grasping, right? Because the Lord desires to reveal it. It's not like a a dump truck where we just get everything in one moment. Oh, I've given my heart to Jesus. Now I get it. It's this revealing of one's own heart to the faith and the faith to one's own heart. Uh, and so I think we have to look at our own tendencies to fight, right? We ask the Lord the question that we desire, and then we throw up some walls and we're ready to fight the Lord. And instead, I think what the Lord is inviting us to exactly what we've been talking about, this position of receptivity. So how do you think in a practical way, people living normal lives, let's say young people, let's say families, people with jobs, what are some practical ways that they can make the choice to actually delve into the messiness of their own questions? Yeah, that's a question I'm not totally equipped to answer fully, but I think that I think that definitely beginning in, in humility with scripture, um, in conversation with God in prayer. The second is I, I think that you know, reading the catechism cover to cover is, may, may not be the most fruitful exercise, but certainly parts of it, um, especially the, the section on prayer. Um, and if there's a particular question you have, that section in the catechism is, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to point you in the right direction. And, and we were having this conversation earlier, and you brought up a good point, is obviously the lives of the saints, because they have patterned their lives on, on God and shown us that it is possible to um, to, to really live out doctrine and dogma and the church's teaching that, that, that these teachings aren't something that are, 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 are for a book or for a podcast or for an article or just for a homily, but that 
in a real way, um, we become we become living dogma or or living doctrine and and a living representation of the Word of God and living tabernacles after we've received Him in the Eucharist. And so, a, a book on a book on the life of a saint hopefully can give us that hope, right? The life of the saint can give us hope that it is possible in our own way, in our own way, because God wants to use our own humanity and our own brokenness uh, to bring about His glory. Um, but I think the lives of the saints can also be um, a, a really good place to start. But also, I would say that, you know, to the extent possible that you can have conversations with other people about it, maybe it's a friend of yours, maybe it's it's a, it's a priest or a classmate, whatever the case may be, you know, like, like, you know, the faith is not something that's meant to be lived alone. It's not meant to be lived in isolation, but it's meant to be lived in dialogue with other people. And I'm not always the best example of that. Um, but hopefully that that's something you can have conversations about, that a study is not just confined to you in your room, but something you have conversations with other people about. Yeah, well, I, I think you sell yourself short. I, I think in even in our own friendship, you've been a great witness to me because we, we talk about seminary, you know, um, it was the worst, right, from my perspective. I, it wasn't that bad, but, uh, you know, I was... I was bred for, for parish life. I love kind of the, the running full speed ahead into the, the maybe more active ministry. But I think you've always reflected to me a great appreciation for, for study and a great appreciation for uh, applied knowledge. And I think that's, what's been beautiful in our own conversations, you know, offline is uh, we have two varying perspectives and yet each of us can engage with um, this history, this beauty, this Jesus that we've been talking about. You know, I think of uh, all the examples in our own life of study. I know one of the priests of our diocese, Father, Father Evans, is a great example. He's so intentional about setting aside time uh, to delve into, especially Benedict and spirituality. And I think that's a great example. But then again, you look at me, another priest of the diocese, and for me, some of the most fruitful study is working out the difficult things in conversation with you and other faithful faithful Christians because we we each have that potency to learn from one another. And I, I think you're dead on with um, the importance of conversations of other people and being able to, to kind of hash out those conversations because I think it's easy to only talk to people we agree with. But I think oftentimes it's with people who might be uh, might disagree or might have a different nuance where we can learn the most. And it can be frustrating because at first it's, I want to speak for the sake of them to agree with everything I'm saying. And instead with the humility, the receptivity we're talking about to realize, even if they're saying something different, frankly, even if they're saying something that's wrong, there's something in there that is going to reflect to me a truth that I can delve into deeper in my own prayer time and in my own study. And with that, just a word of encouragement for, uh, each of the listeners and, and for you and for me is that because we've been created in particular, right? Um, the father very generously and very uniquely creates each of us. The way that we encounter the world is already primed to be in communion with God. And so uh, whatever it looks like for you to encounter and delve into the depth of everything Christ has to offer, that's study. 
That's the spiritual homework we're talking about, right? For some, it might be painting. That might be a time where they can they can gnaw and reflect on some deep reality, right? You, you recently talked to uh, an Eastern priest who he's given a talk on icons, right? It's kind of the, the same thing, right? They have that way of, of delving into study that way. But uh, I think it's beautiful that each of us have our own tendencies, our own good habits, and our own abilities um, to delve into wherever we're at in the faith realizing that there's so much offered to us. Yeah. I think the richness is a, is a really good point that there is so much offered to us. And like we said at the beginning, it can be kind of an overwhelming thing, but God is always inviting us to know him deeper in a different way. So we've, you know, knowing him deeper, hopefully through belonging to the church, like we talked about in our first episode and, and last week's episode talking about beauty, understanding him there. And then this way, maybe through through a more formalized study, whether it be through reading the scriptures or reading the lives of the saints or or reading some of the teachings of the church, whether it be an encyclical or the catechism or whatnot. So different ways that God's inviting us to to encounter him and ultimately encounter other people. Right. And I think what's amazing is even something small can be um, a, a huge uh, like charge through our, our intellect and our heart. Like one of my favorite things is just looking up saint quotes. And we've talked about, you know, reading about the lives of the saints, but you think about some of these saints, like even sweet Therese, right? She wants all, but you think about that. Like, what does that look like applied? What does that look like in my own life? Or Padre Pio has this beautiful prayer. Stay with me. Right. And it's a long prayer. You should check it out. Big fan. But uh, just the, even one phrase of, of these great, saints, these great minds, these great hearts, stay with me, Lord, to realize in that I can delve into the mystery of Jesus. And so whatever level of daunting or or anxiety or fear there is and saying like, you know what, I want to know more about my faith. Maybe an important word to bring up is ownership. Because as Christians, uh, we have to take some ownership in our faith. If we're going to say that I'm a Catholic, if I'm a, I'm a Christian, there's some there's some responsibility there. There's a lot of gift. There's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of blessing. But there's also some level of, of responsibility and ownership. I imagine, you know, when I became a priest, I just realized, oh, crap. I'm supposed to have answers, right? To realize, you know, I have to take the time to to be prepared and, and have something for the people of God when they're in need and, and also the humility to find the answers. But the same as a Christian, right? What is it? Um, St. Paul says you always have to have a reason for your hope. I think that that in and of itself is an invitation to to, to beef up a little bit. And just a, f- a few little recommendations, right? We have other great writers of our day, like Peter Kreeft, Kreeft, however you say his name, a great author to be able to kind of delve into what does it look like today. I Even a simple Kraft, macaroni and cheese. Kraft, it's, uh, it's so good. Um very quick to make in the microwave, which for a celibate priest is uh, primo. Uh, but you look at all these different opportunities we have. And so I guess the hope or the invitation for us, you and me, for our listeners is to just say, I'm going to set aside some time to delve into the mystery so that when I encounter the rest of the world and I say, I'm a Christian, we have something to share with them. Because you imagine all the questions we have as Christians. How much more is the heart of a non, non-practicing non person in the world? Their heart is longing for answers just as much as ours. 
but they're not going to study. They're just not. And so uh, as sons and daughters of, of the Lord to say, I want to be well-equipped and receive all that the Lord wants to teach me so that every soul I encounter might have another opportunity to meet Jesus. That's exciting. That's evangelical zeal, you know, to think about that. And and even maybe it's hard for you to want to, to study because you just, you're used to doing the same thing day in and day out with the faith. But to go back to our friend Thomas Aquinas, he talked about uh, zeal, right? We all desire to be zealous. We want to be these, you know, all in sort of saints, but where does zeal, excuse me, where does zeal come from? Zeal is a natural effect of charity. And so if we look at our time of study, maybe me reading church documents in preparation to serve the people of God, maybe for some taking an extra few minutes to read up on a, the biography of whatever saint of the day it is, or maybe it's taking a little section of prayer out of the catechism, whatever it might look like, to see that as an act of charity, to realize I'm doing this for the sake of the souls I'll encounter. I'm learning for myself and that's good. But if you need a little you know, kick in the pants to say this is important, to say uh, I'm doing this for the sake of those I'm going to meet because they need to meet Jesus too. And they're going to have the same questions and maybe even more rudimentary questions than we do. Amen to that, Father. I agree. Love it. Well, we've come to the end of another episode and we hope you've been enjoying it. So this week, as with every week, we will end with a recommendation. And this week is is my week. And I'm going to recommend a movie that I really, really like that I've been watching since I was a little kid. Sometimes you need a good summer movie on a Friday night. I'm going to recommend a movie probably a lot of us have seen, Back to the Future. Back to the Future, a fun film for the family. And it's on Netflix right now. All three of them are. Father, have you, just you seen recently... I have. It's been a long time. You just recently watched it though, didn't you? I did. I recently rewatched Back to the Future, but it's still a good recommendation for the folks out there, right? Oh, that's a great recommendation, and I should probably revisit it. You know, I should revisit uh, it. I got a few days off coming up, and maybe I'll maybe I'll check it out. We'll have to trade notes. We'll trade notes. I took extensive notes on Back to the Future. Oh, I'm glad. uh, I'm glad that's what you take your energy for study. Yeah, Back to the Future, but you're not reading the Bible every day. Come on, Nick. (laughs) That's right. I know. Yeah, Marty McFly or John the Baptist. They both are precursors in their own special way. That's so right. The uh, DeLorean was a precursor to the, the real flying car coming someday there, soon. There, there's a homily somewhere in there. I'll probably rip that off. I got a homily in a couple of minutes. I should probably uh, find a way to work that in. I hope so. Well, Nick, it's been a joy. Uh, it, it's a joy to delve into some of these things that we live in a daily way and to take the time. And we've covered it so many times just to slow down and appreciate what's right in front of us. And so uh, just a word of gratitude for you. A gratitude for our community, gratitude for the great city of Rockford. Uh, great to hear from you. We'll talk soon. Father, great to hear from you and a happy early birthday. Thanks, bro. All right. Peace. Deuces.